You're listening to the Winsight Podcast Network. Welcome to Menu Feed, a weekly podcast from restaurant business and food service director. I'm Pat Kobe, senior editor covering menu, food, drink, and chefs for both brands. I'm chatting with Spike Mendelson, chef, entrepreneur, food policy activist, and TV personality. Spike earned his chops working in Michelin-starred restaurants for the likes of Thomas Keller, Gerard Boyer, and Sirio Masciano. He since went on to open Good Stuff Eatery, a fast, casual, better burger concept, as well as We the Pizza and Santa Rosa Taqueria. Now he is all about plant-forward eating with his newest concept, Plant Burger, a multi-unit restaurant that's in growth mode. Listen as Spike talks about his diverse culinary journey, how he's branching into consumer products with Eat the Change, a healthy packaged snack company, and why advocating for healthy and equitable food systems is so close to his heart. Welcome, Spike. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. So let's begin by you telling me a little bit of the story of your culinary journey, because it's been very diverse and I think it's really interesting to hear about. Oh, thank you. So uh, I'll try. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if there's a short version of this, but but uh, well, you know, I'm originally from Montreal. So I grew up in uh, in um, the restaurant family background my entire life. Big Greek family. Uh, my mother grew up under the tutelage of her uncles and her father in the restaurants. And she was a chef, a restaurateur. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I grew up in the restaurant business. I, I, I did everything from dishwash to bar back and, and so forth. And, um, and then we've had a pretty great, uh, you know, at a young age, I was very fortunate to be able to travel with my parents cause they, um, you know, although I grew up in Montreal, we left early teens and we moved to Europe, uh, specifically Spain, uh, Seville, Spain. And, uh, my parents had, and, and our family, it was like 20 family members moved. We had scored a contract with the exposition of, uh, 1992, the, uh, expo there. And we had oh, moved cool. there. Yeah. yeah we moved there and had 13 restaurants at the fair. So we lived there for three, four years. And, uh, it was, uh, where I got my first breath of culture and different cuisine and and such. Uh, but then we moved to the United States and my career kind of, you know, kind of stayed in the same lane. I, I worked for my parents. They had a restaurant in Florida. I grew up in for about 10 years. Uh, those were more of my formidable years as a, as a teen. And, uh, from there I, uh, you know, was lucky to uh, go to the culinary Institute of America where, uh, you know, I got to kind of sharpen a little bit of my skills and, and, uh, kick some of the bad habits, uh, of the kitchen. And, uh, and then it was there. I had realized that, um, because before that I was a little bit of a mess. I didn't realize what, you know, what my talent was. I hadn't realized that, you know, cooking and a restaurant can be, you know, something that I do too. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so culinary school kind of really gave me my, uh, you know, made me gutsy and I just went for it after that. So I traveled to, to France uh, at an externship and, and worked at a three Michelin star restaurant. Um, I went to work for only the big New York City restaurants, uh, you know, for instance, like uh, Le Cirque. I opened the new Le Cirque. I went to Napa, worked for Bouchon or Thomas Keller. So I had a, an affinity uh, growing up. My, I, you know, my mother had an affinity for French cuisine and French chefs. And 
Uh, I grew up knowing that and, and uh, that's who I basically went to go work for. I went to go get, you know, she always told me, if you want to be a real chef, you got to go get a classic French training. And um, mm. yeah, so so that's a little bit about me. I mean, then, you know, uh, fast forward, uh, Top Chef, all the joys and, and downs that come with uh, putting your mug on television. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, uh, and then settled in D.C., uh, basically, where, um, we, you know, I opened my first ever fast casual restaurant with my family, you know, always the family restaurant business. And uh, and then from there on, it was just just it feels like 15 years have gone by since that since that day. And, mm. you know, we've opened up multiple, you know, multiple good stuff eateries. We've opened up some pizzas. Uh, fast ca- casual was really like a, redef- a a new thing, and uh, mm-hmm. we really kind of drove drove that boat. And then, um, and then I was really lucky enough to get involved in policy while I was in DC. I got inspired by you know I never thought I'd say or do any of this stuff, but but I, I got really inspired by um, leaning into the communities. I mean, we had always done that as restaurants, so I'd always knew knew that much. You know, we always supported where we could, uh, but being in DC just took it to another level. Um, and yeah, so I just started doing a lot more advocacy, uh, for food policy and, and, uh, both on locally and globally and, you know, did a ton of panels. I I was the chairman of uh, the DC food policy council here on on behalf of mayor Bowser for about seven years. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just turned out. Uh, and then, uh, out of nowhere, I uh, met Seth Goldman, uh, which was on a panel on, on a policy panel. And we start to talk in and, and got familiar with each other. He had brought me beyond meat products and, um, he, well, my, <laughs> um, let's make sure I get this right. My wife introduced me to vegan and plant-based foods. Okay. Uh, Seth inspired my entrepreneurship in it, uh, where he introduced me to the beyond meat burger and um you know i bugged him about opening up on an all plant-based burger spot and eventually we did it with success and then he you know he kind of reeled me into uh, the cpg into his world and and um now we're doing tea all over again and i don't know things are things are going great so yeah well it's it's very story journey i love hearing yeah. about it yeah. Now, I, I did go to a good stuff eatery when I lived in Chicago and it was really good. Um, and that was kind of where you took like a, a healthy turn to begin with, because, I, you know, and now yeah. you're doing all plant based at plant or is it? Yeah. So it's all plant based. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd say the good stuff eatery came in as a better for you burger. I wouldn't say any of the stuff is healthy in definition, but it is a better for you burger because it was sourced locally. We knew where the meat was come. It was not like these high farmed processed foods, which is fast food, right? That's how fast casual was born. It was being able to have a chef that's actually curing the menus and making the food and still a supply chain providing you the food, right? So those that's the difference between fast food and fast casual. So that happened 10, a decade plus later, I've doubled down on the burger category uh, with plant burger and it's, it's a hundred percent plant-based and kosher and allergen free. And it's the burger for everyone. We call it the burger for everyone because meat eaters can eat it. Vegans can eat it. It's, it mm-hmm. is the ultimate um, burger uh, for everyone. So, um, and we're also trying to democratize plant-based foods and, you know, um, and I'm a flexitarian still, but like my, uh, what I preach is, is balance in life, you know, like, and, 
with your diet, you got to fit in your moments. Like if you're, you want that fast foodish kind of stuff, maybe it should be plant-based. You know, it's, it's, it, if you can make it delicious and taste great, great. You want to go for your steak, go to a restaurant that knows where they're getting their food from, you know? So, so that's kind of what I, what I preach, but yeah, it's been, been great growing plant burger We're on 14 locations. We're um, clustering in the New York area right now. We, we oh, have three, cool. loca- you know, three brick and mortars in New York. All the rest are in Whole Foods. And um, yeah, like uh, the metrics are lo- looking really, really positive for us. So, uh, you know, we're happy. happy yeah, I'll definitely that. have to try it because I live in New York. So I are they in um, certain neighborhoods? Yeah. So we have one on uh, right off of uh, 14th Square Park right there. Okay. Uh, we have one in Nomad. Um, and then our newest one is um, uh, Brian Park. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. so we're right by Brian Park by Kava. We're next door to Kava. Oh, and do you have other things on the menu besides uh, burgers? Yeah, so we have chicken sandwiches, we have burgers, we do patty melts. uh, We do, you know, picture the fare that you'd see at a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. And like, that's kind of what we do. We have a lot of innovation. So like, you know, if you grew up eating the filet of fish you'll love our save the Bay filet, which is a hundred percent plant-based, you know, like, uh, so we, we are a fast food, you know, compared to what good stuff eatery is. Like I had mentioned to you is, is more fast casual. Right. Burger is actually redefining more fast food, uh, based because it's, it's a lower cost. We're de- trying to democratize it and our supply chain is 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 like a fast food right we use a beyond meat patty we use right. a certain speck of cheese we use certain sauces so so it's an interesting business model um yeah so yeah it's great but we have we have all sorts of innovation we just launched uh with a company that's what you know we're the sum we're the plant burger i always say is the sum of all the other plant-based brands because uh, they all come to us to really like showcase their, you know, their products. So we just oh. launched, for instance, a mycelium chicken sandwich with a company called Meaty. Oh yeah, I tr- I tried those at the restaurant show this year. Yeah, yeah. So we do a, we do a sandwich with them, and it's been doing real well. We do a spicy uh. one. You know, we launched with Oatly. We launched their soft serve when it first came to market. We launched just egg folded egg when it first came to market and you know we work with a company called mind blown which uh, right now we have this it's i don't think it's in new york it's only in the dmv area but we have a plant-based crab cake sandwich oh wow uh, which is really delicious so uh yeah yeah well uh, they've really come a long way those products i mean um you know the meaty products to the chicken tasted really just like real chicken to me so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. You know, uh, I mean, I, I think the breading helps there, but, but, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating the innovation that we're seeing in the space right now. So it's. And then you also have a healthy snack company called eat the change. Tell me about that. Yeah. Eat the change is awesome. So that's uh, you know, like, like I said, I pulled Seth in the restaurant business. He pulled me into his business and uh, um, we launched, you know, we'll, we launched that as a mission-based snack company, which we still are, which is eat the, eat the change you wish to see in the world. And, and the idea behind that is that, you know, you yourself could take matters into your own hands based on like how you purchase foods, where you purchase them and the foods that you're purchasing, right? Uh, you have your own environmental footprint per se, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's actually your, your strongest vote is with your own dollars. <laughs> uh, so, so we promote, 
you know, healthy snacks uh, that are better for you, but also better for the planet. And we have some guardrails in which we do that and certain things that we stand by. So one, everything has to be organic all the time. Uh, we look to use water efficient crops like mushrooms and carrots for scent mm-hmm. uh, or tea leaves. Oh. Uh, you know, lots of crops that are sustainable. As part of the formulation, like the recipe, uh, we outlaw what we call uh, the six usual suspects and we line them up, you know, uh, and those are potato, rice, cane sugar, soy, wheat, um, you know, and I'm not, we don't use any of those in any of the formulation. So, you know, we use things like agave or honey to sweeten stuff. Mm-hmm. So our first product line was a mushroom jerky, which is really kind of how the business got started. Organic mushrooms, upcycled mushrooms, uh, mushrooms that were uh, out of spec and going to waste. We used Ooh. all those things. Oh, cool. Uh, mush- yeah, mushrooms are one of the most water efficient crops, uh, if not the most water efficient crop and sustainable. So, so we did that, and then we moved into a category for kids. We, we, uh, I was able, um, really on sheer mistake, uh, but that's kind of how mm-hmm. some delicious things come come to fruition at times. Um, uh, we came up with uh, being able to take a carrot and turn it into a fruit snack that resembles a fruit chew. Uh, and as you know, the category of fruit chews actually have zero fruit in them. Right. So <laughs> if we're able to infiltrate you know, as like the anti-fruit snack, but we're a vegetable that is acting like a fruit snack. There's something really there. So we were able actually to create this delicious snack that kids are are enjoying. So we're doing that. And then all the while we were just minding our own business, Seth, which, um, you know, needs no introduction, uh, you know, formerly from Honest Tea and Beyond Meat, Mm -hmm. um, got a call from Coca-Cola about the tea business being discontinued. And uh, so, yeah, so we were, you know, he kind of looked at me and said, should we go for it? And I, I said, absolutely. So, um, you know, we came out with a product about nine months ago called Just Ice Tea. It stands for justice. Oh. It, um, the fair trade tea uh, that's in the market now that as honest tea is exiting the shelves, Just Ice Tea is climbing onto the shelves. And we're, you know, double, you know, doubling down on our commitments there. Um, you know, we just did an amazing trip to Mozambique which took about 60 hours of travel for just a few days on, on, on land where we were able to meet our, um, our growers. Uh, and, uh, Mozambique has the largest organic tea garden in the world. We're the only, uh, company to use it in a product line, uh, as, as we're doing it. And, um, just wonderful commitments. We were able to invest in the communities there with like schools and ambulances. Uh, right now we're discussing the building of a pathology, uh, clinic so they can detect you know, malaria and typhoid and uh, along with many other things. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great mission-based company, both for in ingredients and, and uh, for culture. So um, yeah, that's, that's really awesome. So are the um, carrot snacks and the mushroom jerky, are those sold like in convenience stores too, like where you would find regular jerky? Yeah. Or- so, you know, we're in certain sets. So we're like in the natural sets and giant We're mm-hmm. uh, at whole foods. We're in the jerky you know, area, right. uh, the, the chews, like I told you, uh, the, the carrots are in the chewy category, uh, category, right? Like where you see Gushers, Annie's fruit snacks, uh, Welch's, all that fruit snack stuff. That, that's where the carrots are. Uh, and the just iced tea is absolutely everywhere. Uh, yeah. Whole Foods, Moms, Giant, Stop and Shop, natural grocers across the United States, everyone. Um, you can basically find us 
anywhere and especially new york we you know new york's huge tea business for us so we're you know oh, walk cool. into your bodega and check it out and if you don't see it just request it because uh, we got great distribution over there yeah no i definitely will and as far as i wish those carrot snacks were around when my kids were young because they yeah. ate those crappy fruit roll-ups and the you know the things right. that so stuck so in your yeah. but um well, it sounds like you're really into a lot of different things. And I I also saw in your bio that you were into speakeasies for a while. Those still in existence or is that something you one can't tell. One oh. cannot tell you in in the true spirit of speakeasy. I, I don't I don't know. No. Uh, you know, I, I I did dabble in speakeasies, but in true speakeasy form, speakeasy open they open and they, they close. Right. And uh they're great for that moment in time. Uh, you don't really make any money on them. It's just about having a good time. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, we, um, but we, uh, you know, my my business partner that is a very good friend of mine that we opened it up with it. We did open up another bar which was focusing more on um, after prohibition. So when you're able to come out and actually celebrate, and people were getting dressed properly for cocktails, and that's called the Morris. Uh huh. Because the Shepherd was named after Morris Shepard with an, which enacted, um, the, you know, the, uh, um, prohibition. Right. The temperance act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then he actually uh, took advantage of it very scheme, scheme wise and, and it was bootlegging alcohol. Uh, so we opened up the speakeasy on his second name as the shepherd. Um, and then we opened up, that, that arrow right afterwards as, as the Morris. So oh, fun. Yeah. And then you also did a documentary about the in little Washington. So you became a filmmaker too. <laughs> You're yeah. a true Renaissance man. I mean, you, yeah, I think, I think, I think filmmaker is being very, very, very generous. Uh, I will take a hundred percent credit for uh, the idea of doing the film on Patrick O'Connell and, and, and doing the legwork to get that film done. It, was the backstory was it was a passion project for me both in um you know when patrick visited the culinary institute of america i was the last one in line with his cookbook to get it signed and i had mentioned i had been on cooking for french chefs and and really into it and i had asked him about this place in the north of france that my mother honeymooned at and she met a three michelin star chef there called gerard boyer and Gerard mm-hmm. and his wife ran a relay and chateau in Champagne, France, called Le Creyer. And Le Creyer had three Michelin stars for over 20 years under the tutelage of Gerard Boyer. Oh. And uh, when she returned off her honeymoon, she had uh, hung up these menus from Gerard Boyer that were signed and next to her other French menus in her kitchen. And I grew up seeing these, you know, eating breakfast with these menus every single day. And um, my mother would always point to the one from Gerard. She's like, if you ever want to be a real chef, you will go work for this gentleman. So, of course, you know, I'm a, now I'm, I'm a teen. I'm in culinary school. I'm sitting in line and, and I, I go to Patrick and I'm looking for an externship, somewhere to go, right? I have to go work somewhere from uh, after school. And I asked Gerard Boyer about Lake Creyer. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he leans into me, much like how my mother always said. And he said, son... If there's one thing you do in your life, you make you sure you secure your externship at Le Carrière in the north of France. And 
I hadn't realized then that the Inlo Washington was what had some journalists had said is the North American Lake Creer of, of, of France, right? The houses are very similar, right? 19 to 20 rooms, Michelin restaurants. And so anyways, I went, I was able to figure out how to get an externship at Lake Creer. That's a whole other story that took like nine months. But uh, I went and worked for Gerard Boyer for two years and I, um, you know, changed my life. And I was in a French kitchen and got classically trained and came back with a huge self-made cookbook of, you know, all photos and documentation and recipes of everything. And I'd saved it for years. Um, And I went and I took it to a a production company. I said, hey, I want to do a show on Relaine Chateaus and I want to do a show on the uh, something called The Apprentice. Right. Like somebody like myself going overseas and and, uh, they love the idea. And then I said, hey, you know what? Like I could afford it now. Let me let me go eat at Patrick O'Connell's restaurant and and I'll let him know, like, you know, a little bit of the backstory of why I'm coming. And I hadn't seen Patrick since that moment. Right. And uh, he put me, you know, I had a little notoriety. So he put me in the kitchen (laughs) with my wife. And we sat there and we, I just giggled because it was like me going back in time at Lake Rayer because it was like the exact same style of kitchen. Right. And I understood why. And, and I went there because I wanted to ask him, I was like, if there's one good person to ask, you know, he's, he's head of a North America Relaine Chateau. So I had dinner and I, I, I reminded him the story of like asking him about Lake Rayer and I brought my book to show him I had gone and, um, and then the next morning we had breakfast together and I, I had asked him, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm producing a show and I want to do something on, you know, the apprentice and like the relay and chateaus. And he, he said, well, you know what? He's a time is everything. He's like, why don't, why don't we do a show on the end of little Washington as the first one? Mm. And uh, it turned out to be the first and only one because the show just turned out, we ended up just, uh, instead of doing a series, we just did a documentary because it was so compelling and what a opportunity to be able to do something on Patrick, which it basically has never let anybody inside. Right. And yeah. uh, so that, that is like, there's a huge background on why, you know, we, you know, but so, yeah. So, so I was able to like use my production team and get a show done and be able to sell it. And I had some say, but I, I wasn't filmmaking quite yet. I, I do want to uh, one day maybe do more, but, but, uh, but yeah, so it was just a very serendipitous and great little story. And, and the, sh- the, the documentary's done really well for him. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's people come from all over and, uh, he, he got inspired to take over across the street and he just opened up, uh, a bistro called Patty's. Mm-hmm. So, cause there's, you know, things are going really well over there. So, uh, I was just happy, you know, to do a little something for a man that really inspired me when yeah. I really needed it, you know, so. That's such a great story. I have to get there someday. I've never been there, but. Oh, you have to, yeah. you have to. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You have to, you know, you know, what's awesome about it is that it's on Skyline Drive. So mm-hmm. whether you eat at the Inalo Washington, which you should, you know, it's expensive, but you should, you should at least get in there. There's a beautiful day trip. You can make a whole day out of it. And, um, or there's Patty O's now which is his bistro, which I actually really love. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I'm never much of a formal guy, but every once in a while I'll do the, the occasional what to white tablecloth, but patios is like a steak bread place with like, so it's like a great lunch spot and like touring. So 
He's got he's got a whole town over there. Yeah, cool. You watch the documentary? No, is is it on any of the streaming services? Yeah, so you can buy it on Amazon for like a dollar ninety nine or something. Like oh, that. okay. Well, I'll definitely yeah. take a look. Yeah, yeah. It's called the. Yeah. It's called the. The. It's called the Inn. A mm-hmm. delicious documentary. Okay. No, I definitely want to see it now. Yeah. Uh, the story behind it. So, um, do you ever miss the fine dining world? I mean, it sounds like you kind of immersed yourself in it when you did the documentary, and now you're in fast casuals and CPG yeah. products. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I miss it, but it's like, you know, I don't miss it that much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I think there's still, I still, I, I still believe I have a, some sort of fine dining full service restaurant ahead of me one day. Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, I've been really lucky. I've been able to like push these fast casual models, which are less taxing on the family life. I have a seven year old, which I love to hang out with yeah, uh, enormously. So I, I really, I could be with him. I've transferred over to a lot more advocacy and entrepreneurship with Seth and and the CPG business. So I'm enjoying what we're doing right now. And, uh, you know, no need to to have a fine dining restaurant and it, it's tough out there right now. You know, yeah, definitely everything is against you in the restaurant business right now. You know, it's, you're all, it, there's a lot of it always there, but like right now, like you look at inflation, looking at high rents, you, you know, you, you're probably paying back some loans from COVID that you took, you know, there's, you know, people want to blog and write about your food all the time, which is a good thing, but it could also be a bad time. You know, right. there's lots of risk. You, you put yourself out there. Um, so yeah, fine dining's tough right now, but, um, but I'm happy to see that there are, there are, you know, I've been going out a little bit more lately and um, seems like the industry is coming back. So oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I Washington is really pretty, you know, DC has a pretty good restaurant scene and new places opening too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, which brings me to my next question uh, and the last question. So, you know, t- you talked a little bit about what's next, but are you going to continue with your food policy advocacy um, and grow plant? I mean, what, what is next as we, you know, come into 2024? Yeah. Great question. Thank you. I mean, um, definitely hundred percent growing plant burger. You know, we are on a huge mission to redefine fast food and, and, you know, we're, um, and it's, it's happening. So we're, we love that great team over there. Uh, the growth of eat the change has been enormous. We're basically, mm-hmm. you know, year nine of honest tea in our ninth month. So we, you know, this team is, is, is stellar. It's growing so fast. So, you know, we'll do that. And then the policy pieces, yeah, you know, I doubled down with CARE, which is our my, you know, um, I'm the lead chef advocate for um, CARE Chef Table. So we we mm-hmm. onboard, uh, we onboard uh, chefs and, and and teach them that they have a voice, you know, in their in their region, and and um, you know, and then they also have a voice when it comes to policy because they're trusted uh, on the food system. So we really work to harness them, and and uh, we bring them, you know, to Capitol Hill, do trainings and. Uh, we'll do trips abroad as well. So um, we're just reinvigorating that program. So I'm super excited about it. I'm doing it with another chef called Asha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got a, well, uh, I have these diplomacy, culinary diplomacy trips that we do uh, that we have set up. I'm actually going to one in Greece in September and we'll probably do another one next year. So yeah, we'll push, we'll push uh, you know, I had to give up. Obviously I turned out of the food policy council, but 
I'm always looking to do some local work as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay busy. We'll stay busy in the, in the space. Thanks so much, Spike. You've already accomplished a lot, but I can tell there's a lot more to come. You can download this episode of Menu Feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Pat Kobe. Mm-hmm.